Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. All right, now it's time to review the 1990? Yes, sir. Oh, I got that one right. 1990, uh, ACDC album, Razor's Edge. And Ian, tell, uh, tell our listeners who we have with us. Oh, my favorite, uh, Mafioso. How do you fucking say that? Mafioso. Mafioso. Edward Canastracci is here with us today. Hey, what's up, everyone? What's up, bitches? Hey, How you hey, doing, Edwin? Don't be calling, don't be calling Joey Ravioli to whack me after you hear what I have to say about this album. <laughs> That's all right, man. I, uh, like I, you, you guys gonna be in trouble. I think we're all gonna be in trouble. People are not gonna like some things I have to say, and I'm a diehard. Well, we're, we're all diehard ACDC fans, so people gotta understand this is tough love. This comes from a place of love. Hey, Where? if they can get over what I said about Malcolm Young during the fucking Rocker Bust review, they can get over this shit. I know I haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, Edwin, tell us how you discovered this piece of shit. Well, uh, just I give I'll give a quick little backstory to ACDC. Uh, I got into them just maybe a year before this album came out. Uh, I think similar to Ian. It was the Who Made Who soundtrack because I saw the movie Maximum Overdrive. Hell yeah. Now, we very... made you. We made you. <laughs> it's a great I fucking have on, movie. I have it on DVD with Raw Deal, a terrible Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Oh, yeah, it's a bad one. Have you ever heard Gus from Breaking Bad? He gets zapped by the video game in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love, I love Maximum Overdrive. I saw, it, I saw it in the theater. bomb. I saw it at the drive-in. Yeah, it's a good movie. Oh. It's a damn good movie. Stephen King said, you know, who directed it? And he was, like, doing a lot of cocaine when he directed it. And, and I it was, believe it's his first movie he directed, right? First, first and, and last. All, only, yeah. <laughs> yeah, first and last. And it's funny, he, he talked to ACDC, like, during a screening, like, Brian and the others, and he's, like, after the screening, he was, like, the only thing that works, the only thing that works in this movie is is the music <laughs> just, that, that's but i i think he's obviously hard on it it's a great it's a fun movie it's like a, just a grindhouse b movie oh yeah if it would have been a huge hit he would think differently about it oh of course of He'd course be like the you worst know. part of this movie is fucking <laughs> but yeah so i i never listened i never heard an acdc song until i saw that movie because this this is gonna seem weird but i think i should put this in historical context for younger audiences is there was actually a time when acdc was not popular it was just, and it was like between 85 and 90. And I was like, no person ACDC I knew. There was one shop kid, one kid in shop that listened to ACDC. No one fucking did. Even the headbangers had kind of moved on. No one was listening to ACDC. They were kind of already a relic. It, it, and so I heard the name before, but I, you know, and Stephen King had referenced them in some of his books. But when I just heard the music, it just, oh my God, it just was like, this is where, this is like the first time I heard Hell's Bells. And like, for those about to rock was in this movie. And I immediately uh, uh, picked up, uh, I borrowed Who Made Who from the Chop Kit. And then, uh, you know, I did, I think I did the thing. I went and just got the albums that were like songs that were on that. Like I got Back in Black and Fly on the Wall and Dirty Deeds. 
And at the time, I, of course, I love Bond now, but I got to tell you, when I first got into ACDC, because I was introduced with the Brian Johnson era, I kind of thought like that was like Brian was the real singer and Bond was this guy from before. It wasn't until like I dived deeper into it and started listening to Highway to Hell and Let There Be Rock that I started to really love Bond Scott. But at first, it was Brian Johnson and it was all about like Back in Black. And I, so by the time this album came out, It'd been like I was into ACDC for about a year and I'd gotten really obsessed with them and I'd already bought most of their uh, back catalog. I think I had everything but Powerage and I'm um, flicking a switch. And so this was the new album. I'll, I won't get into it until we get into it, but this, this was the first new ACDC album that had come out when I, uh, uh, since I'd become a fan and this was their big comeback album. So it was like really cool to get into this band that no one was listening to. And then suddenly like overnight, everyone was listening to ACDC and they suddenly then became the canonized like on classic rock radio ACDC that everyone still knows and loves today. But it was with this album, uh, regardless of what you think about this album, this album was a really big deal. You know, of course, Thunderstruck and Money Talks. And this 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 was the first uh, ACDC concert I went to was the Razor's Edge tour. So this this was a big album for someone young in junior high getting ACDC. Yeah, I mean, my first ACDC, I didn't have Brian to judge by, uh, was the live album. My buddy bought um, If You Want Blood. And I'll never forget, the first time I heard it, I was like, Oh, this guy's voice is too weird. He sounds like an alien. I didn't get it at first, you know. And now Bon Scott to me is like my hero, you know. Uh, it, you know, if you you know you know those stupid uh, things on Facebook. If you can bring anybody back from the dead, I always pick Bon. Bon or Randy, those are the only two I want back. You know, the rest can stay. Even you know, I don't. I love Cliff Burton and everything. And, yeah, I don't want him back too, obviously. But my first picks would be Bon and Randy. Because I love Bon Scott. Bon Scott to me is a hero, the greatest lyricist. And ACDC with Bon Scott to me, to me, is the greatest rock and roll band ever. You know, it's not the Stones. Love the Stones, but ACDC to me was more real, more down to earth. They weren't college kids from London. They were dirtbags from Australia. And I absolutely love now ACDC. Uh, the Bon era is to me. But I love Brian. Don't get me wrong. And, I love the first three Brian albums, and you know I love select tracks off of pretty much every album. It's even this one, and this is spoiler alert, my least favorite AC/DC album. And there is a song on here I really like. Yeah, I'm curious what song that is. I have a feeling what it might be, but I'm not gonna. I'm yeah, not gonna. You know, it's the only <laughs> one that that rocks. And, yeah. So uh, I. <laughs> and and uh, I'll also say. Um, uh, I was I was hanging with ACDC, you know. I mean, yeah, sure. Flying the wall was. Like, I really loved Flick of the Switch. I loved For Those About the Rock, Back in Black, and the Flying the Wall was the first one where I didn't hate it. I just thought, okay, this one has more fillers than everything that came before it. It still has some great songs like Shake Your Foundation, Playing with Girls, Think the Pink. You know, I still was hanging. And then Blow Up Your Video came out, and I felt pretty much the same way. Uh, as flying the wall, I felt like okay, this one's full of filler, but you know it's got you know uh, you know the first two songs are really good on it. This means war, nick of time, and then when this one came out, I was like, all right, uh, that one song was good, but fuck, there's nothing else good on this shit, and I haven't heard it since, so I heard it again for this review, and uh, 
pretty much my, my opinion hasn't changed, you know. Some songs on here, you know, I haven't heard in like, what, how old is this, 38 years now? Or 28 years, whatever? Say 28, yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard this in like maybe 27 years. So listening to some of these songs that I haven't heard forever that I totally forgot about, I was like, all right, all right, all right. This ain't as bad <laughs> as I remember, but it's still not good. But, the, you know, and I'll explain why. It's like, well... This one ain't bad because of all this terrible shit I just heard before it. It, it kind of, but if all this terrible shit wasn't on here, it'd be much worse. So, yeah. uh, and I saw the tour, but and you saw the tour, and I gotta say, you know, I mean, like every ACDC tour, they always kicked ass, even with shitty albums. And I thought this was a great tour, just like uh, Stiff Upper Lip and uh, uh, what is it, Black Ice and. You know, I, I always enjoy ACDC Live. They were always good live. They always delivered, no matter what album they were promoting. And uh, <clears throat> as far as I remember, I only remember maybe three tracks from this album played live. Maybe it was two. And uh, and one of them is the one I like. Yes, yeah, same here. Uh, it's probably the same song. We'll see. But yeah, uh, they played four songs. Um, I think four when I saw saw them live. All right. Uh, How about yeah. you, Ian? Uh, well, you know, much like Edwin, you know, I came into him with, uh, with Who Made Who. Uh, just for the right, how old are you, Edwin? That 39. 39, okay, so you're five years younger than me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we came in about the same time, but, you know, when I discovered Who Made Who, I was like, oh yeah, this is the band, and I remember waiting so much for, uh, Blow Up Your Video, and I still love Blow Up Your Video. I mean, I see it's not like a... Uh, higher tier album but uh, I still enjoy it just for nostalgic reasons man because that was the first one I was waiting for and I was waiting for this one as well and I think you know there's basically like four types of albums when, when you're a fan there, there's albums you, you love right off the, the get go you will always love there's albums you will never love and then there's albums you didn't get at first and then you get and then there's ones like at first, you're just so excited because it's new. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then you get tired of it real quick and never play it again. Imagine, and, Ian, imagine if you were young and a brand new Led Zeppelin came out. Yeah. I understand my love for Into the Outdoor. And it was yeah. Into the oh, Outdoor. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, no, was no, my no. First, that was my first Led Zeppelin album I bought when it was new. Because I got into oh, Led yeah. Zeppelin when, uh, you know, like around presents. But between presence and into the outdoor, that was a long wait. And plus, I don't think I heard presence back then. I think I heard presence even after into the outdoor. You know, but I love into the outdoor, and it may have to do a lot with nostalgic reasons. But I can listen to that album, and maybe there's like one song on there that's like, eh. But the rest I absolutely love, and I know it has a lot to do with nostalgic reasons because you compare that album to all the Zeppelin albums before it. It's not as good, but it's amazing uh, to me. Oh yeah, and that's how I am with the uh, with blow up your video because I just remember like having the poster on my wall, and you know that's around the time when all of a sudden now you know my walls are covered with all these rock bands that I love, and it takes me back to you know I I think I was like fourteen or so when that thirteen fourteen when blow up your video came out, and just. It's it's happy memories, it's happy times. So sometimes it makes the song sound a little bit better, you know. And especially like blow up your video because it's not one that I revisit a lot. When I hear it, it's a total time warp and it, it's a nostalgic one. But this is one when this first came out, 
Uh, I loved it right away because it's new ACDC. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it's one like quickly. I'm just like, well, I'm going to pick an older ACDC album and listen to that. And this was also my first time seeing ACDC. So we all saw ACDC on this tour. I enjoy Blow Up Your Video, to tell you the truth. It's chock full of fillers, but it's not bad fillers like this one. You know, I it has a it. charm to it. It's yeah. got like a weird yeah. quality. Even. Blow Up yeah, Your Video like... is already like, you know, God, what, 10 years already into ACDC. So, and for me to like, you know, still not hate it, like I do this one, it shows that, you know, to me at least, not really a bad album it's just you know it's it's got a lot of filler but it's fillers i can hang with right but uh, it has good uh the b-sides it's like one of the few albums because acdc usually run a really tight ship they don't have like b-sides uh but you know they go into dynamite duty. right was that one of them no no, no that was uh, on the album yeah that was on the album uh living on the borderline snake eyes those are two really great songs yeah i, I think know. they're better I, I than have, anything on the i have the edge. single i have the single for uh, what's the second thing? That's the way I want my rock and roll. Yeah. Whatever yeah. was the B side on that. I have that 45. Well, okay, it's probably Living on the Borderline. I really love that song. And Snake Eyes was the B side for Heat Seekers. And it's a really cool, dark, kind of meaty uh, song. And I really love that song, too. Yeah, and I both think they're of them both are on the Backtracks uh, box set. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't yeah. check that out. But... Yeah, and I think yeah, they're, yeah, both they're, better, they're both better than anything on the Razor's Edge. Actually, I think they're better than half the songs on that made blow up your video, so I yeah. wondered why they didn't make the cut, but they I'll were... I'll tell you, too... the one song they, they recorded after Razor's Edge fucking rules. Oh, Big hell yeah. Gun? Big oh, Gun. Oh, yeah. God, I love that song. Uh, I still oh. love Big Gun, too. That's the thing. Unlike some of the stuff on this album, which... Well, I just... I gotta say, I'm not very nostalgic, I guess, because even though this was my first new ACDC album, the first tour, I, you know, I didn't really hang on to this album for too long. I did really love it for like maybe a year or two, but by the time we got into the mid '90s, I like never listened to this album. Right, I, and, was, I was the same way. So it, it's more, if anything, my nostalgia was closer to Back in Black because even though that was an old album when I listened to it, that was like the Eureka moment. I mean, when I sat, I still remember listening. It was a cassette of Back in Black and thinking, God, this is even better than Who Made Who. And Who Made Who was like a greatest hits kind of compilation, right. and. And it was just like, I mean, that was the first time I heard like Shoot to Thrill and stuff. And, you know, what do you do for money, honey? <laughs> I mean, that, that, like, that moment to me is bigger than the first moment I heard The Racer's Edge, like, oh, even man. though that was the new album. So, well, that's because you got a brain. I, I, I remember I, I had it planned to lose my virginity uh, to ACDC, and, and it didn't work out. I had this, it was totally planned out Stacy Vining oh my god she had the biggest fucking tits and this is an eighth grade and we had an eighth grade dance and it was planned that we were gonna go to you know parents drop us off to dance and then we leave the dance go back to my house I had a water bed at the time in the 80s had a water bed had a boom box above my bed and I had it queued up to play shook me all night long and that was the plan we get back to my bedroom I hit play and I lose my virginity to that song and uh, she chickened out. We didn't leave the dance because she was too scared we'd get caught. Oh, uh, man. I lost that... my virginity to Tavares on the Don Kirshner Rock concert. Remember Tavares? <laughs> no, but I remember Don Kirshner. T Tavares had uh, a song on Saturday Night Fever. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what the name of the singer was in Tavares? And I didn't know this till 2010. Greg Barnes. Ralph Vieira. I should not. Yeah. The singer of Tavares was called Ralph Vieira, and it was the Guns N' Roses girl that pointed that out to me. 
I was like, no shit. And they were like, that's crazy. I remember this band playing on Don Kirshner's rock concert when a 36 year old woman fucking molested me. But she looked like Marsha Brady. And I still turned uh, out fucked up. You expect me to be fucking a pimp and a half? Well, I kind of am, you know? But, uh, because you've seen that redhead I'm banging, right? Way beyond my lead. Yeah. Thank hot. you, Tavares. <laughs> but, uh, Pretty legend. I don't think anyone ever plans to lose their. When you plan to lose your virginity, you're bound to fail as a teenager. Right. I don't know. I mean, when I lost my virginity, it was not a planned thing. It, all the prior attempts failed, and then it's like when you least expect it, and you're at some drunken party, and you're in the backseat of a girl with green hair, then suddenly it might happen. Just saying, maybe from say, personal there experience. There was one night in my teens. This is when already the thing went to shit, and the husband showed up, and uh, and I couldn't fuck her anymore. I'll never forget sitting in the front of my lawn in Hylia, Florida, looking across the street, this girl called Lori. And I wanted to fuck her so bad. And I just sat outside going, man, I want to fuck this girl so bad. And she was inside her house. And then I just got the balls to walk over there and knock on the door. My friend Richard LePage was her, his, her stepbrother. And he's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, hey, is Lori home? <laughs> I banged her that night, dude. I was so horny at work. It was crazy. And you then, were Dr. Fuck even back then. Yeah, That's the thing. Yeah. And, and, and they had another sister. I got to bring this shit up. Another sister called Christine that me and my buddy were trying to bang on what we thought was Spanish fly. Because my buddy got some Spanish fly. We put it in her beer. And we we're both trying to bang her. And she's like, yo, get away from me, you two. So we never got the banger. And then I banged her <laughs> later, too. No Spanish fly. I banged her. I, I started making out with her on top of a tree. That, I'll never forget that day. Earlier that day, my friend Henry, that's on uh, on my Facebook, he found me 30 years later. That same day, I'll never forget it, he said to me, while I was on the tree with Laura, he's like, hey, man, Ray Ralph, do you like Led Zeppelin? I go, yeah, he rules. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I when thought I, it was funny. When I think of this, I, I definitely think more about the concert that I saw than, than the album because there was so much drama. There was a girl that I fucked around with in sixth grade. She was in fifth grade. And, uh, you know, like first, like, you know, call a girlfriend, you know, she'd write I Heart Ian on an eraser and give that kind of gay ass, like, kid shit. And I got my hand down her pants, but I didn't finger her. I just kind of touched it. But I told everybody I fingered it. You know, because I wanted to be cool and shit. So she got the nickname Fingers. And it stuck for like a couple of years. And then, you know, fast forward, we go into high school. Uh, she starts dating this, uh, like the high school wrestling champ. This guy had like one state at wrestling and everything. And somebody brings up the old Fingers nickname. So all of a sudden, this kid wants to kick my ass. Because she's like, he never fingered me. You know, and, and everyone's like, yeah, whatever, Fingers. And... Uh, we got into a fight in, in high school, man, and holy shit, he was like a little guy, but he was a scrappy motherfucker. <laughs> and we get into it one day, and he kind of shoves me. I was like, well, fuck you, and I shove him back. And uh, and he goes flying because he's a littler guy, but then he just goes to fucking, like, get me in, like, in all these fucking wrestling holes. I'm like, holy shit. And we're, uh, we're in the hallway, and there's brick walls, and he's trying to scrape my fucking face against a brick wall. Oh, my God. He's like oh, a little yeah. crazy spider oh, monkey. Oh, yeah. Dude. <laughs> and I like I remember like barely like being able to maneuver out, and I scraped the fuck out of my shoulder. That hit the brick wall, but not my face. 
and then a teacher broke it up, and then we were just like mortal enemies. He's always like, I'm going to kick your ass. And like a year later, ACDC's in town, you know, for, for this tour, and some older kids bought the tickets. I said, get me one. I want to go. And then I find out he's going. And I'm uh-huh. like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. It's going to be all this fucking drama. And I'm so fucking nervous because I was like, oh, my God, he's the rest. He's state wrestling champ. He's going to fucking kill me. But I want to see ACDC. Fuck it. I'm going. And then we get ready for the show. And they had just broken up. So now he doesn't hate me no more. He likes me. <laughs> he's like, ah, I always liked you. But I was in love with her. But fuck her now. He goes, we're all good. I was like, whoo. I was like, awesome. We're going to enjoy this show. And then we go in there, and two of him and another kid have knives on them, like butterfly knives. You know, that was like the cool thing. You had to have a fucking knife and shit. And they confiscate him when we're walking in and threaten to kick us all out. So I'm thinking I'm not even going to make it into the show, but they just made them get rid of him. And we went in and had a fucking, fucking great night. I mean, ACDC was awesome. King's X was the opening band. I thought they yeah, put on a hell here. of a show. Uh, I got uh, um, I got love hate. Oh okay. Yeah. Well, I like them. Oh, I like that first album, Black on the Red Room. It was alright. Yeah, I like that song. I never heard anything the al- else. The album was good. The album was. Good. I saw that yeah. tour with uh, Lock Up the Wolves. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, they opened for Dio. But uh, but yeah, I just remember it being a fucking great show and hearing all these classics. And I and I remember like I'd already loved Sin City. You know, it was one of my favorites, and when they played that, I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, it's and funny because, you know, like I said, at this time I had every album but Flick of the Switch and Powerage, and Sin City just really hit me. Like it was like when I heard it live, it's like, "Oh my god, this song's so fucking awesome!" And it just that was the song that most stuck with me. And then I immediately ran out. I said, "Well, it's one of these two albums," and I, I picked Flick of the Switch first, thinking because it was Brian Johnson was singing. I didn't, you know, necessarily know if it was a Bon Scott song or not, so I picked that. And I listened through the whole album. I was like, no, it's not on that. I guess it's on that Powerage album, the last one. And of course, Powerage is now, and actually quickly became my favorite ACDC yeah, album. Yeah, it's my favorite as well. <laughs> and, and, and it was the last one. But it was like, the, I'm glad it was the last one because it was this beautiful buildup. And I finally, it's like, Sin City, that's the fucking song. But even before it got, and that's like on the second side. I mean, Down Payment Blues, you know, everything was just... I just love that fucking hey, album. Hey, no offense, that, uh, guys, but I'm getting a little fucking... I, I feel a little queasy here talking about Power Age while we're going to really <laughs> talk about this fucking album. That, that, right, that uh, album should yeah. be brought up. Sorry about uh, that. You know, you know, funny thing, too, I remember, like, going back and buying the old ones, and I remember buying If You Want Blood, You Got It. You had to bring and, up that one during this review, too, huh? And, and I had no idea it was a live album. And when I was younger, I really didn't like live albums. I wanted everything to sound like what I heard on the radio or what I heard somewhere else. It took me a while to get into the live albums. And that was like the first live album that I was like, wow. This is fucking amazing. Uh, So yeah, man, I mean, it just takes me back going back there, you know, like discovering a band like this and finding that back catalog, man. Those were were good fucking times. You didn't know what you bought. You know, I bought it just because the album cover. I thought the album cover was cool as shit. Yeah, I you was also into live albums too. I like live bootleg, but uh, Aerosmith. But for the most, which I still love that album. But I wasn't a big live album guy. I always felt bad though, because you know Bond got, uh, you know, uh, blood. Like you got to hear Bond at his peak, and then Brian got the fucking '91 uh, Bruce Fairburn produced ACDC live, which I know right. a lot of people like. But it's just like Brian's vo- vocals are not at his, his best. 
And it's just like, you know, I know there was supposed to be a plan to do the Flick of the Switch tour as a live album. That was like, they did tape those shows, and that was supposed to be a live album, but uh, they were going to do for their 10th year anniversary, but then they decided to release the Jailbreak EP instead. And I was just like, oh, man, it could have been a Flick of the Switch, like... Yeah. Oh, that would have been tour. great, and, that, that was the best time I ever saw him with Brian, was yeah, the Flick of the Switch tour. Yeah, and that opens with Guns for Hire, which would have been like Bond opening with Riff Raff. Like, that would have been the equivalent. Like, that would have been the fair representation of Brian at his peak. And they would have whittled it down to one album like they did If You Want Blood. Oh. It would have been monumental. Yeah, and they could have done it, too, because by that point in the set list, they could have actually done the thing like Kiss used to do, where they weren't, like, they wouldn't replicate any of the songs from the first album. Because by that point, they had a bunch of Back in Black yeah. songs. Yeah, just uh, they, keep it Brian era. Yeah, That's or probably even, why you guys weren't in, well, well, I don't know about Ian, but you weren't into live albums because seriously, the 80s just released shitty live after uh, live album after live album. In the 70s, it was a must. And it was like, you know, I mean, I remember people complaining about certain bands that didn't have live albums like Black Sabbath. You know, live after uh, live at last didn't count because it wasn't approved by them. Van Halen, people were complaining about that. People complain about a lot of killer bands that didn't have live albums, so you had to have a live album, and nine times out of ten, live albums in the 70s were fucking amazing, and most of the time, those live versions, like Kiss, were better than the studio versions, you know? Well, that time with ACDC, like, you know, when I hear the Jack, I gotta hear oh, yeah. the, 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 fuck, the fucking, uh, if yeah, you want, blood version. It, because you know what? The high voltage version, I'm not going to say nothing bad about it. It's great, but it's almost uh, a parody. You know? Yeah, the early albums are a little like that. Before yeah. Let There Be Rock, there's kind of a, a touch of novelty, like we're the wacky Aussie guys, and the songs are a little lighter. But like, live, I, I, yeah, I, it was dirty the way Bond changed the lyrics, and it was very dirty. And you hear that live, the, the audience, you know, screaming yeah. when he would say. You know, she told me she was a virgin. When you hear the people, oh man, forget it. That, that live version buries that studio version. Even though I love the studio version because it's clever. I mean, nobody was more clever than Bon Scott. And the studio version of the Jack proves it because he's talking dirty without saying dirty shit. He's talking about a card game, but you know exactly what he's talking about. Right. I just think it flows better. And plus, oh, you yeah, know, like we talked about. The, the, what you hear first, you know, and, and I remember like one of the last ones I bought uh, for ACDC was High Voltage. And I, so I had years of hearing, uh, you know, the live version. Then I heard that. I was like, nah, it just doesn't have the same bite to me. You know, you know? funny enough, uh, High Voltage was the first one I bought. I heard the live one first, but the first one I actually bought was High Voltage because of the song TNT. Yeah, but even that, I think the live version uh, that they started doing was much better. Like, because even everything live wire, like a few years later, ACDC got very heavier. Like, their sound got heavier with the guitars. Yeah. Bond was, his voice got stronger and he screamed more like post Let There Be Rock. So, all those high voltage songs, I think, sounded better like two years later live because they hit that next level. Right. So, yeah. All right, Edwin, tell us about what you think of the first track Thunderstruck. Well, what well, you got understand as a as a young man 13 14 i was sitting watching headbangers fall and this was the premiere for the new acdc video this is the first new acdc song i've heard since becoming obsessed with the band and it's thunderstruck like i know if you're like you ralph and you've already you came in with highway to hell like it's not gonna do much for you but 
as a young man, Thunderstruck was a big, awesome new song. Like, and it just totally kicked my ass. And, you know, I loved it all. And it just, it, it was, it, it just sounded like, hey, we're, we're here, we're big, we're back, we're, we're going to be a big band again. Like, instantly you knew, like, there was just something with the song. It was an anthem. And I loved it. I, I still like the song. I mean, obviously, it, it, it has a burnout factor, especially if you go to sporting events and trailer, you know, movie trailers. It's just everywhere. And it's definitely not a go-to ACDC song for me, but I do think it's easily one of the better tracks on this album. It's kind of like a popular version of This Means War, like I kind of think meets um, the chorus of my shot down in flames. By the uh, way, uh, I hate to cut you off, but just for the listeners know, that loud noise you're hearing is not part yeah. of the song. It's not thunder. It's uh, Edwin's connection. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Thunderstruck, big anthem. You know, it's 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 definitely played out for me. But I can hear it's you hear that ACDC put a lot of thought into this song and effort, and like they this is a really this whole album, but especially this song is a really kind of conscious comeback song. Uh, I mean, that's why they got Bruce Fair, Fairburn because you know because White did with Aerosmith. So I'm thinking they're thinking, let's hey, work for Aerosmith, and we want to get back on track and make a lot of money again. So, uh, so they, 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 you can hear that they're really putting forth a lot of effort. Personally, I kind of like, I prefer ACDC when they don't put so much effort, maybe. Like, I like Ballbreaker better. But, but this is them going out, guns blazing. It's a mission statement. We're ACDC. It's like they're being reintroduced to people. Like, this is like a new for those about to rock. And uh, it's, it blew my young adolescent mind, and I loved it. And I was very pumped for the album which came out like maybe a week or two after. And of course, it's what they opened the shows with. And it was a great opener, uh, you know, regardless of what you think of the song. I mean, it was a really great opener. The build up when they, they hit the Thunderstruck part, when Brian first says Thunderstruck, you've been Thunderstruck and the lights came on. It, it was, uh, it's, it's definitely one of the highlights of the album, even if it's kind of been played out and I'm not really interested in hearing it anymore. I, I still think it's a good song. Um, that one of the few songs that kind of survives the overly slick production, I think. Well, what do you think, Ian? Uh, well, I, he kind of really nailed everything about this song. I think it's absolutely incredible. I remember seeing the video for the first time and thinking it was fucking awesome and so excited for new ACDC. Uh, listening back to it now, so many years removed from it, you, you know... Two things really stick out though that bother me is the production and the drums. Uh, Chris Slade seems like a nice dude. He's always smiling, having fun. He's no Phil Rudd. He is no Phil Rudd at all. He's, if anything, he's a Matt Sorm. It, it's like it's so stock. Like who's this fucking drummer? You, you know, I, I don't know. That, that I totally agree. That he's totally me. the Matt Sorm of ACDC. Yeah, it bothers me throughout the album. Uh, the production bothers me throughout the album. But a great song is a great song. Uh, yeah, burned out on, on this shit now because it's been used, you know, commercials. You know, TBS uses it for fucking baseball and shit. All kinds of shit. You've heard it too many times. Uh, but it's a great fucking ACDC song, in my opinion. I mean, it's really good. And this is one of only two songs that have stayed in the ACDC set list uh, live after the tour for that album is over. This 
and Rock and Roll Train from Black Ice are the only songs that have made it to another tour. You know, of course, whenever they're touring, you know, they're going to play multiple songs, promote that. But going on, this is the only one that survived. And, uh, and Rock and, and Roll Train's going to be gone by the next tour. Oh, I fucking hope so. Oh, it will be gone. Wow, Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck. I'd rather take Rock and Roll Train any day. But I don't uh, and I don't even like that song. The Thunderstruck's uh, dang. Thunderstruck's a, a staple. I think it's the like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the last to staple. nerds like you two. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it'll ever leave. It's it's kind of like uh, Iron Maiden keeps playing Fear the Dark, and I wish they would stop. But damn it, if I'm seeing ACDC live, I wish they would play this song because I, I fucking love it. But evidently, you don't, Ralph. So no, let's... no, it's a piece of shit. This is terrible. Okay. This is like ACDC's version of Jock Rock. I can see like some Jock wrestler scraping some kid's face to this song. <laughs> I never like this song. The only thing I like about this song is that, you know, that little, you know, that little, that's, that's, that's okay. And I like the video where they they shoot Angus from under the floor. I think yeah. that's a cool little visual. But man, the rest of this is just pure shit. Brian's voice is the worst part of this song. Annoying. Texas! I'm Texas! And then Fuck you. I like dirty deeds and the cheap. See, that's cool backing vocals. Not this fucking garbage. This is fucking terrible. I fucking, I fucking hated it the first time I heard it, and and I've hated it more ever since. This is shit. I'll go to the next one. Fire Guns. Spoiler alert. This is the only good song on this fucking album. It's a great song, actually. It's a killer rocking tune. I actually really, really like this song, and it did make the set list, and uh, I just wish the rest of the album was this good. What do you think, Ian? Uh, well, you like it more than me. I think it's total filler, but it rocks. Uh, you know, there's nothing bad you can say about it, but I think they've done this song. Oh, I mean, it's fucking ACDC. Of course, they've done the song 30 times, but I think well, they've done a lot. you said something bad about it. You said Thunderstruck was better. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I do think the Thunderstruck is better. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't mind this song. I mean, it, and it's, it's the shortest song on the album. Doesn't yeah, that's overstay. Why I like it's it so much. <laughs> but uh, it, it's good. I consider it filler, but it's not horrible filler. But filler nonetheless. So, what do you think, Ed? Edwin? Uh, I'm with Ralph. This is easily my favorite song on the album it's fucking rocks this is a straight up down and dirty simple not pretentious acdc the exact song you want to hear as a second song on this album i i like it but uh but i love it as uh, now it's easily my uh favorite song on the album nothing even comes close that being said like i i told ralph earlier if this was on like an earlier album, if this was like on Flick of the Switch, it wouldn't be one of my favorite songs. So that tells you what I think of this album on a whole. That the best song on this album would be filler on one of their earlier albums. Like yeah, it I just agree, be. I, I, I agree with that. But it's still, it's still, it's killer filler. Yeah, it, it just because it rocks it straight up, and it's like it, it, you hear energy, and they sound like a young mean band like way you want ACDs to sound like and they don't sound like that at all in any other song on this album uh, and it, it's a great song too bad it left the set list but I uh, definitely would prefer this to Thunderstruck although I do like I don't hate Thunderstruck like Ralph but definitely if I had to pick which one I'd rather hear there's no question Fire Guns is easily my favorite song on the album well Edwin let's go back to the shit take the next track <laughs> 
Uh, I'm not gonna be as hard on money talks as you guys. Now I don't Ugh. love it, but I'm gonna make. I think that's my role here to be the guy that defends money talks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't love it, uh, but I like it. It's all right. It's a catchy, fun little song. Um, it's catchy. I remember when I first heard the album. This wasn't released yet as a single. They hadn't even done the video yet. Uh, but I remember instantly when the song came on, it's the third track. I was like, oh, well, this is going to be a hit. Cool. ACDC are going to have more than one hit from this album. And I wasn't, I'm not like one of these guys that like, ooh, I don't want my band. Because now I was thinking of them as my band uh, because no one else I knew listened to ACDC at this time. But I wanted, I wanted everyone to listen to them. I was like, I want people to get into ACDC. I thought it was cool. It's like, I, I want people to get into this like religion that I believe in, like rock and roll. And so as soon as I heard Money Talks, I felt, well, this is great because, you know, lots of people are going to like the song. And I was right. It was a big hit. And um, it, you know, it's, it reminds me a little. We talked about the earlier, like more novelty ACDC from like High Voltage and like Dirty Deeds. Uh, this is kind of reminds me. It has a little bit of that spear of an early Bon Scott song. What? I know that. Like, yeah, oh. I don't like bother you. I'll tell you why, because it's really 50s rock and roll, kind of a big bopper, just singing about money kind of song. Plus, Bond was always obsessed about making money, you know, uh, ain't no fun waiting around to be a millionaire. And to me, this is the song that's saying, yeah, we got it, we got the money, we're making that money. And also, this is a time period where all these hair metal bands were doing the second video with a hair, like a ballad. So yeah, it's, you know, at least it's not a ballad, it's just a, a poppy, fun, catchy little rock and roll song about how ACDC likes making a lot of fucking money. And I think that's cool, even though it's not one of their best songs. You know, I, I don't have a problem with it. And I think it's one of the better songs on this album. Um, you know, it's really, you know, that's, oh, but that's also because this album's not that good. But I don't have a problem with it. It's fine. I can hang with Money Talks. It's definitely not a go-to song, but it doesn't bother me. So, well, Edwin, I gotta tell you, Cyberly, Ian and I are hugging each other, shaking in fear, looking at you. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, That's I just say, like to me, it's just, you know, it's not a fucking ballot. It's just an old timey '50s. Hey, we like to make money rock and roll song, and that's, you know, that's fine to me. And like, I'm not a big "You Shook Me All Night Long" guy. Oh, I mean, I love that I, song. it's all right. I mean, it's better, but it's not. I'm not, that's probably my second least favorite song on Back in Black. I mean, it's better than Shake a Leg, but I like pretty much everything else better. So I'm not a big fan of the popular side of ACDC, but I can hang with it. I'm fine with it. It's just, I rather listen to Fire Guns, but I'm all right with it. All right, Ian, I'm going to let you go. Go ahead, go, go for it. Oh my God, does this suck. <laughs> oh, this song sucks so fucking hard. This is the closest they ever came to be like fucking Van Hagar. This is, this is like, you fucking finish what you started bad. This is really, really fucking horrible. Uh, man, you can tell Bruce Fairburn got his shit all over this, because this sounds like some horrible fucking shit he would do. This is, this this could possibly be, in my opinion, the worst ACDC song ever. Uh, but keep that in mind, I only, I think I only listened to Stiff Upper Lip, uh, Black Ice, and Rocker bus like once, <laughs> you know. So there might be something worse on those. No. But of, of, of ACDC songs I can think of, this is like the worst. And it, just to to show you why I hate humanity, this is the biggest ACDC hit of all time, as far as uh, chart wise and everything. This is the only 
ACDC song that ever cracked the top 30 in the States. And that shows you why we are so fucked as a fucking country. No. You know what that shows you? That shows you how much the top 30 don't mean shit. Because who the fuck talks about money talks now? This shit's so forgotten. Oh, right you, the charts is fucking garbage. Well, I just I, I, I don't think this song is forgotten. Really? I, I think this really? song I think this song is loved by people who aren't ACDC fans, but they're like, oh, I like that song. And I think that's who it appeals to, people who don't yeah. like ACDC. Yeah. People but from like 1990. The... Believe me, yeah. after that, gone. Put on the radio. You're never going to hear this on the radio. You'll hear it. You should oh, be all night long. No, 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 no. I, 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 I hear this on classic rock. You sometimes hear it. No, well, yeah, thank, you yeah. sometimes Thank God it. for Florida, dude. They don't, they don't <laughs> fucking play this shit ever. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> No, this this is this is fucking terrible. There's there's no defense of this. I, I mean, instead of dropping that fake money, they should have dropped real money for listening to this goddamn song. This is fucking terrible. Uh, add add to some hate. Make me feel good, Ralph. Oh, I'd rather hear Thunderstruck. How do you like those apples? Mm. Oh my God, do I hate this song? MTV played the fuck out of this. Especially during Headbangers Ball, every goddamn week with for what seemed like fucking years you know here i am trying to see some killer metal videos that that they mainly don't do on that no matter what everybody says about headbangers ball i'm sorry that show sucked it only had like maybe five videos in three hours that were good and you know here i am trying to uh watch a killer video sitting through garbage after garbage after you know fucking uh bang tango and 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 fucking uh poison and all this stupid shit just to catch like a riot video or a King Diamond video. You know, I had to sit weekly, you know, watching shitty video after shitty video. And, uh, but damn, I gotta say, this was shittier than the shitty videos. It was like, fuck, I, I, I welcome Bang Tango to this fucking song. <laughs> you know, I, it's like, dude, and I, this has gotta be the worst of all shitty videos they would show. You know, you we bring up a good point. I think I'd rather hear Unskinny Bop than this song. Yeah, me too. Actually, I would. I would take, you know, at least at least I could get a chuckle out of this. This shit makes me cry. It's like, whoa, man, this is the same lineup that fucking sang fucking Hell's Bells, you know? Oh, my God, this song. I hate this fucking song. I don't know if I'll go as far as Ian to say it's the worst song on the album. I think there's many songs tied, not worse. But tied how shitty this. I definitely there. I think the worst ACDC uh, song, or at least my least favorite, is on this album. But it's not this song. And there's uh, probably like maybe two or three songs I like wow. less than this song. That that's saying something because this song is worse than your fucking Skype connection. It's <laughs> terrible. But you know you hate to say I'm, I'm in the video. They shot this video at my concert, the Spectrum. <laughs> so. So are, yeah. are you from, I know you live in L.A. now, are you from Philly? I'm originally from Philly, uh, I, although when I was, uh, I did uh, from 3 to 13 live in Florida, though. So like you guys, I did Florida childhood. Oh, uh, where were you at, Florida? At Coral Springs, uh, you know oh, where that Coral is? Coral Springs, yeah, I know where Coral yeah, Springs is. Yeah, you're not that far from where I am. Yeah, my family lives in Tampa now, so, you know, I bounce back and forth to flow right, uh, you know, I'm there sometimes, but... Yeah. Um, Philly, Florida, L.A., all big mob spots. Yep. <laughs> Just got well, stuff. you know, I mean, no offense, but when you lived in Florida, since you had money talks, it was called Faggot Up back then. I, I had moved up. By that point, it was when I was 13, I had just moved back to Philly, and that's why oh, I was so, at so that Philly. Philly was faggy when you lived there, <laughs> and now you live in El Gay. Oh. Uh, hey, don't get Joey Ravioli after me. 
<laughs> all right, all. I'll go to the next one. The title track, Plotty, Uneventful. A title track that is a filler. Not a good sign. Uh, the solo section is pretty cool, though. But then back to the plotting. And what's up with that chorus? Jesus Christ, this is terrible. I hate it. What do you think, Edwin? You know, I gotta say, I agree with you. And it's weird, because this is a song, like, technically, and I never liked this song. But And I always kind of wondered why, because it's, like, the most heavy metal song on the album, and it's them doing something kind of different. And I normally like when ACDC, you know, like, try something a little different. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't feel or sound like ACDC to me. There's just something, like you say, sluggish about it. It's just kind of a drag, and ACDC's not really, I don't know, it's just not the kind of song I want from them. I especially don't think it sounds like, I think the placement's a little weird, too, after Money Talks. It's like, I don't know, I just, it, this song, and they did do the song live uh, in concert, but this song always just seemed kind of like a drag to me. I never really liked it. Uh, how about you, Ian? Uh, I don't mind this one. It's it does stick out like a sore thumb on this album, uh, because it is a darker song. Uh, they got the title uh, from an old English saying, "The Razor's Edge," uh, saying that like it, it, it's a great day, it's nice and sunny, but you see dark clouds on the horizon. And they were saying like at this time in history, like you know, the Berlin Wall's coming down and people all excited. But they're like, don't get too excited because the world's always been fucked and it always will be fucked. Um, so I kind of like the, the weird, darker tone, especially for this album that is just too fucking, you know, got that pledge shine on it thanks to the horrible production. Um, so I, I like it just for the, the heaviness factor. Not the best song, but compared to a lot of other, like, crap that's on this album, I don't mind this one. I, I'd give a thumbs up to the title track. It's funny, you know, because you're contradicting yourself here. And you're always bitching about, when I listen to this band, I don't want to hear this. I want to hear that. And now ACDC doing some uh, subject matter different. You're like, yeah, I like this because they're doing something different. Well, yeah, for a band that never fucking changes to actually change and it's heavy. I'm like, okay. okay. Uh, I'll, all I'll right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, why don't you take the next one? Mistress for Christmas. Oh, my fucking God. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I spoke too soon about Money Talks being the worst fucking song on here. I'll tell you what. Christmas plus Donald Trump equals suck. Oh, my God. First and foremost, I hate any kind of Christmas music. Again, I do not hate Christmas as a fucking fake holiday and shit like that. But I hate Christmas music. I hate Christmas theme songs. And this one, uh, Malcolm said they wrote about Donald Trump. Uh, this is when he split up with uh, Ivana, fucking around with Marla Maples and shit. They wrote the song about that. It, this is just terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. The little sleigh bell shit. Oh, my God. This is fucking, this, this is horrible. Even though I got to admit, though, while I'm listening to this, I thought they could make a really hot video where uh, Milena's getting, like, pissed on by Russian hookers. And that could be hot. But the song... Garbage. This has no place on an ACDC album. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, double thinking. This might be worse than Money Talks, man. And that's saying something. Holy shit. What a turd. What do you think, Edwin? Uh, I don't hate it as much as you, but oh. I don't... Uh, 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 hear me out. 
but I don't think it should ever be a song that's on any ACDC album. Uh, I think it'd be fine if, because I don't hate Christmas and God like you do, Ian. Uh. But I, I, I just gotta say, like, I, I, it's fine. I think, yeah, why not? ACDC does a Christmas song. They should do one Christmas song in their whole career. But it shouldn't be on a fucking album. It should be on one of those, like, compilations where, like, Bruce Springsteen did that Christmas song. Remember they did those compilation albums, like, a very special Christmas. Or just, like, a standalone standalone, uh, seasonal single. It's fine. There's only two good Christmas songs. That Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer and the Run DMC one. The rest all suck. I love the Run DMC one, and like this, that was on one of those compilations. I, was, I like the Phil Spector Christmas album. Um, I like some Christmas music. I, I mean, I, I like some Christmas music too. Yeah, uh, some of it. I, yeah, it gets played out. Like by the time Christmas comes around, I'm like, I fucking hate Christmas music, and I hate that Mariah Carey Christmas album. I hear that all the fucking time. I hate that. But you know, I'm fine with a, a Christmas song. Just, just don't put it on a fucking regular ACDC album. Like, there's no place for it. And obviously, this is the the CD age now, which you always complain about. You know, with like, this is the first ACDC album where you're hearing songs that you don't have been on an ACDC album before, and this is like one of them. And you know, it's fine. Just shouldn't be on this album. Just it should be on some Christmas compilation and be like a rare Christmas ACDC song, like that rare Beatles Christmas song they did that you know for the uh, fan club. Yeah, that that's just how I feel of it. Feel about it. Uh, mistress for Christmas, more like distressed by this mess. Oh my <laughs> God, this does nothing for me. Maybe because I can't identify with having a mistress. All you dumb bitches that think I'm some kind of low life with being with the whore that I am. Well, I got some news for you, Starfish. Your man cheats on you. All men cheat on dumb, judgmental cunts. Y'all don't know, you know, how to fuck. So that's why they go somewhere else. And usually with girls I see, uh, they fuck those guys that you're seeing. Uh, I'm sure even the girls I actually do see, they they actually are fucking your guy right now. Because they know how to fuck, unlike you. I can't identify, and it's not the Christmas part, it's the mistress. You think about a mistress, I don't, I, I just can't identify. Because I've never, ever cheated on a chick in my life, but at the same time, you know, it's like when I fuck, for the most part, I'm single, when I fuck various chicks, and we have a fucking uh, common bond where, hey, go get some dick somewhere, honey, and I'll go get some pussy, and then let's meet up here on a Friday night. And, uh, and, you know, and musically, I got to admit, it sucks just as much as uh, the, 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 the subject matter. I hate this fucking song. Fuck this song, Mistress for Christmas. Fuck you. All right. <laughs> and, that's, and, and that just proves, what, what was her name? The one that was married to Trump? Ivanka? Was that her yeah, name? Uh, Ivana. Ivana. I bet you that bitch couldn't fuck. And Marla Maples licked ass. Yeah. All right, I'll go to the next one. Rock your heart out. Oh, man. Going back to jock rock. You know, I could just see these preppy fucks back in 1990 trying to be rock fans because it was the in thing. And I could see them, like, say at the school, hey, man, let's go raid Biff's liquor cabinet and rock our house out before we go to Buffy, the fucking cheerleader's house, and rape her. Rock your heart out. Get the fuck out of here with your bullshit. Rock your heart out. What kind of fucking title is that? This is goddamn ACDC we're talking about. What a bullshit song. Sucks. Thank you. What do you think it is? 
<laughs> this is definitely some first band on the moon shit. Yeah. This is fucking... Oh, my God. Uh, again, maybe I spoke too soon. I keep picking a worse song, and all these shitty songs keep coming up. This is... Oh, my God. Yeah, this is definitely one of their worst songs. And it sounds like three songs that don't go together. The chorus is the most, like, uncomfortable, like... Heart rock your little heart. I mean, it doesn't mash with the other fucking part of the song. God damn. Uh, fucking side one, and, and I, I like like two and a half songs. Actually, uh, I, I like Thunderstruck and a half of two other songs. So like two songs out of six? Oh, this is fucking terrible. This is really bad. What a, what a horrible way to end side one and make you not want to flip it over. I think, if, you know, if you have this on vinyl and you got to flip it over, you got to put Visqueen on your fucking vinyl mat or it's going to get shit on it. This is fucking, this is bad. Bad, bad, bad. This, this is so bad, Simon Wright didn't even want to play on it. Ugh. This is fucking crap. What do you think, Edwin? Uh, totally on board with this one with you guys. Uh, this this is, I think, this. It, there's actually one song I think is even worse than this song, but this could be my second least favorite ACDC song ever. Uh, it sucks. It's just everything you guys said. It sounds like a bunch of different songs thrown together. Brian's vocals, and I love Brian, but he just sounds like fucking shit on this song. When he does a, your little heart out. Sounds like a fucking chipmunk drowning. It's yeah, horrible. You actually sounded better than him on that. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I always like those little ACDC moments where you sometimes hear, hear Cliff Wilms. I'm like, oh, you can actually hear Cliff. That's cool. But nah, this song just does not, even in the verses. It's just... It's got rock in the title, but it just sounds so generic and like fucking pieced together. And it just, this song always annoyed me too. Even, even the fucking 13 year old Edwin thought this was weak. So, I mean, and now as an adult, yeah, this song's just, it's one of their worst. And again, hey, maybe if this was just a 10 or 12 song album, you know, I would lean towards 10 would be generous. Uh, but, you know, this song would definitely not make the cut, and it, it sucks. Well, uh, according to this thing I'm seeing about this song here, that's not Cliff Williams. It's a raid-riddled Freddie Mercury. <laughs> I, I think it's Edwin's Skype connection playing bass on this. This is terrible. Bruce no, Fairborn's spear, Bruce Fairborn's uh, ghost is uh, Skype. Oh, my God. Well, are you ready for talking about the next one yes sir go ahead and take it all right uh yeah you know compared to the last few tunes this one ain't that bad but again you know i get the vision of these dumb fucking jocks uh you know driving to buffy's house and putting a butterfly knife against her throat and making her making her suck their dicks it's like are you ready bitch yeah i'm pissed off at my girlfriend because some fucking idiot was figuring her, so I scraped his face on a wall. <laughs> That's what I consider, you know, a good time to them. Not me. At this point, I'm ready for some power age. You know, that's a good time to me. But again, not the worst on here. I'll take this crap over, you know, the, the beloved Thunderstruck and everything before this except for Fire Guns. You know, but if it wasn't for all these songs before it, I wouldn't like this song at all. At least... At least, the, you know, the songs before it gave it, like, this barometer to make it, okay, at least this one ain't fucking, you know, making me, like, you know, grab a cheese grater to my cock. 
So that's what I think of Are You Ready? What do you think, Edwin? Uh, I'm kind of, uh, I'm not as hard on it as you, but I agree with you. It, it is my, it's my second favorite song on the album, After Fire Gun. I like it better than the uh, Thunderstruck and Money Talks. Uh, it, the point I think most is held back by its production. I feel like if this song was on Fly on the Wall, it kind of reminds me of that kind of song. Because uh, it's got the party anthem, and it's got a sleazy vibe, and a hot guitar solo. I feel like if it didn't go through the Bruce Fair flavorizer. Uh, I feel like this would be like a fun, hot, kind of dumb mid-80s ACDC song at, at its heart. Like it could be on fly on the wall, but it's just the production makes it too slick. But it's a fun, I like the kind of shout, the the, the kind of gang vocals uh, that they got going on in this uh, song. And uh, it, it's, I like it. Again, I wouldn't say it, but I do like it. Uh, it's, and I remember being disappointed in the video though. Like it was probably be the third uh obvious when you listen to the album but it was like just them playing a prison and i was just like why the fuck are they playing a, a prison for this song like i felt this song should be them playing like i don't know a bar and you see some hot chick that some guy's trying to pick up kind of like a you shook me all night long type of video like you know just had that vibe and i remember seeing why the fuck is it just acdc playing just felt like they didn't really try hard with the video which is another reason why i don't think this song did quite as good as the first two but, but, you know, that being said, it's definitely the album. It's just a fun, dumb party song. That's, well, I, 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 got, I got to say, dude, that uh, uh, this, this album is very appropriate for your connection. Yeah. Because of all that thunderstruck bullshit going on. That, uh, you know, anybody that likes this song, you deserve Edward's uh, connection. Anyway, oh. see, you heard that? You heard that? You deserve it for liking this album, you fucks. Girls got rhythm, bitch. Thank you. Uh, what do you think, fucking Ian? Are you ready? Oh yeah, fuck yeah, dumb rock drinking song, and I fucking love it. I fully admit this is like a a cock rock song on here, but man, after all the fucking turds that are on side one, uh, it makes this shit sound like fucking Sin City. I love this fucking. This is probably my favorite song on the album, and I just—it's just fun. It's fun. It sounds like ACDC, a little, little ACDC light, but I still dig it, man. I, I think by far the best song on the album. All right, what, do you, th what do you think of the next one? The next one, Got You By The Balls. Holy shit, here's a first on the album. Two in a row that I fucking love. I love this one, too, and, and again, it's kind of like... Uh, is it that great, or am I just so happy that it doesn't suck? But uh, listen to this album three times this morning. I'm going to have to go with it. I actually love this song. I, I dig it. I think it's good. ACDC, yeah, a little bit too polished. But, I mean, that's the best you're going to get on an album produced by Bruce Fairburn. Uh, but I really did got you by the balls. What do you think, uh, Edwin? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with uh, everything you said. Uh this one is probably my third favorite track on the album. It's not one, I remember I didn't think it was that great uh, when I was younger, but it's one of the few, I heard this playing just for some reason, I was at the Rainbow one afternoon and they just played the song. And just listening to the song by itself outside the album, it's like, yeah, this is a cool, uh, bluesy, groovy ACDC song. Not one of their best by any means, but in no way, I'm not comparing it to this song. I'm not saying it's anywhere near as good, but musically, it has a little bit of that injective venom kind of thing with the dan 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 dan, like the riff. 
And it's just like a dark bluesy. And I like like Ball Breaker. It's like this song about like a woman, a prostitute that like hits hurts their balls. And they, they want that. To, <laughs> it's, it's like well, that's great. It's, Brian Johnson likes it when you punch his balls. That's how he gets off. Because when you're a real man, that's what you got to do. You know, she's got to start fucking going to town on your balls. Uh, so yeah, I like it. I actually think this would have been better on the first side. It, you know, this should have been like a ten-song album, and this would have been like sounded really cool after Money Talks. I think would have sounded ballsier, even. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of the better tracks on the album, even though it is obviously filler. No, yeah, it's filler, all right. Uh, it, it, it's you know almost almost borderline killer filler. You know, I do like this one somewhat. It's rocking. It lacks the annoying elements of all the songs before it. Uh, the riff, I find it a little too repetitious. That really goes nowhere. But shit, I'll take this over rocking your heart out in Money Talks. So, uh, by default, it's my second favorite. All right, go to the next one. Shot of Love. Uh, like the last one, it lacks the annoying. Uh, nothing to write home about. Uh, but I would welcome this as a filler on something like flying a wall or blow up your video it's not that great but way too good for this album if that makes any sense it's my third favorite all right uh edwin what do you think of shot of love uh this is one i liked uh when i was younger it was one of my favorite tracks from it over the years uh it's i can hear there's a good song in there like a catchy just fun song i feel like but the way it's produced you know, it just sounds like Huey Lewis in the news to me. Like, an ACDC should not sound like Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, and it has a little bit of the Rocky Heart out, even though it's not nearly as bad as that song. But Brian's vocals, when he goes like, Every love you, it, it, it just doesn't sound like the way I want to hear Brian Johnson sound. And it just, it, it's, a, it's a decent, catchy little rock song that has a really limp production. That's, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's all right. It's one of the better songs on the album, but that's because this album's not that good. All right, Ian? Uh, I think this is the hidden gem on this record. Uh, I really like it, but there's something, something a little, I don't know if off is the right word, but a little un-ACDC. Uh, maybe just a little bit too polished or a uh, little shine on it, but I think it's a damn good song. It's just kind of weird for ACDC. But uh, I fucking love this one. This is one that, you know, when I go back and listen to this, I was like, uh, uh, uh. And then I was like, oh, yeah, shot of love. I really dig this one. Probably my third favorite on the album. So there you go. So this second side for you is like working for you a lot more than the oh, first by, side. Oh, by far. By far. Yeah, it's working for me, too. I mean, I'm, I'm hanging. I'm not really loving it but it's just so much better than the other ones but so much better than the other ones doesn't really say much right uh, this, and, would, and, this and, would be pure garbage on a good album Shot of Love I, on Flick of the Switch it'd be terrible yeah I, I fully admit that I I, I think I kind of glamorized Side 2 because Side one's so fucking bad but I, I'll take the next song which is Let's Make It uh, this one I, I gotta say I like it I don't love it, but I like it. But again, I like we, we just said, I think it's because side one was so fucking bad for the most part. Uh, but there's still something a little light in the loafers for ACDC. 
It should be, you know, a little bit heavier. It should be a little bit dirtier. But by no means is this as bad as fucking Rock Your Heart Out, Mistress for Christmas, or fucking Money Talks. But it's just, eh. It's totally filler. But it, it doesn't make me want to skip. What do you think, Ralph? I hate it. I hate this fucking song. To me, I, I put it right there with all those shitty songs. Let's make it. Let's make it. Reminds me of that movie, Losing It. Hey, let's go to Mexico and, and put Spanish Fly in some senorita drink. I love losing it. <laughs> oh, I love it too, but I'm just saying that, that that let's make it. I mean, just the title alone. Well, it does match the music. I just think it's as lame as the music. You know, you know it does have hooks, I ain't gonna lie, but that fucking bridge. Oh, man, is that bad. A little too poppy. Oh, you know, let's make it. You know what this song makes it? This, this, this song let's make it makes me want to break the fucking CD. I hate this fucking song. It sucks. But then again, you know, most of the album fucking sucks. Well, Ed, Edwin, well, what are you? I, I was just, just going to say one more thing that, that should be noted is uh, this is the first album since Brian joined that Brian had nothing to do with any of the lyrics. He was going through a divorce at the time of this album. And uh, so the Young Brothers took it over and it stayed that way through the rest of Brian's tenure in ACDC. Uh, he would never again write lyrics. He said he was happy because he didn't want to be burdened with it. But when you hear like stupid shit like this, this is all Angus and Malcolm. So well, they got it, better. Let me tell you. Even as sterile as the production is on this, you know, when you hear like silly shit like that, you know, you you gotta point your finger at the brothers because that's who came up with this shit. And I don't know if it's ever been said. Like I don't know if when it comes to lyrics, it was more Angus or Malcolm. That I have no fucking idea, but uh, yeah, everything here is is Angus and Malcolm. So if you want to get mad, don't point your fat at, your your finger at the guy in the cabbie hat, you know. Well, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying, man. Uh, all right, uh, they, they were terrible on this. I think they improved on later albums. Oh, okay. Likewise, you know. Uh, yeah, I think I, I will say this though. I think in the same way, there's a drop off lyrically after Bond. I think there is a, a drop off lyrically after Brian. I think the Young Brothers are. I think Brian, he wasn't as clever and witty, of course, as Bond. He wasn't the poet that Bond was, but Brian didn't have this working class edge, this kind of mean edge that he brought to some of the oh, lyrics. Oh, no, man, dude, the, fr the, the, the first few Bo Bo Brian albums, that motherfucker was evil as fuck, though. Yeah, they're. Yeah, they're very, I mean, a lot of people don't like them like, because they think they're misogynistic, but I love them. They're just dirty, caving. Yeah, uh, they're that's, just mean. God's you on lose... the left and I'm sticking to the right. I and, mean, that's some evil shit. Oh, yeah, like, or even just like this stuff like the, uh, like on uh, Nervous Shakedown, like, you know, the judge look high, I look low. Like, you just don't have lyrics like that again, for the most part, after Brian stops writing them. They lose a little of their, like I said, a little of their working class, like, mean, like, you know, Jordy from Newcastle kind of edge. You just don't have that anymore. And I mean, I you you really buy the story and you, know, you think it's just because Brian just didn't want to do it anymore and did divorce. I feel like the Young Brothers uh, kind of wanted the publishing rights. They're like, we're not sharing with this well, guy Well, I, I mean, that could have... <laughs> I, I, I think what it, what it could have been, though, is I think it could have been like he was legitimately like distracted at this time. And I think they uh, might have exploited uh, that. Maybe. Oh, oh, yeah. And then, and then when this album, which this is the fifth highest selling ACDC album of all time, which That's is really, sad. Again, it goes to show. Sales don't matter. 
Uh, yeah. Fifty-one fifty sold more than fair warning. I rest my case. Right, right. No, no. I'm not saying as as as, as far as how good it is, but it could be an example of like what what Edwin was, I think was getting at is, uh, look, they did it all themselves, and this thing sold five million. So they're like, hey, let's do that again because we made a nice fucking check off of that shit. You know? Yeah, it's like it's like we don't want to have to we have to like share all that back and black money with Brian. But hey, if we're gonna have our big comeback album, I think we all agree this is designed to be a big comeback album. Yeah, no, or, you know, I, you talk about ACDC. I mean, real <laughs> ACDC fans. Nobody's gonna talk about Razor's Edge. They're gonna talk about Back in Black because Back oh, in yeah, Black is still solid. Just, didn't sell a lot. You know, course, this album this... this album sold a lot because of Thunderstruck. That's why it sold a lot. And, yeah, money, and, I think, and, and money talks. Yeah, and I think the Young yeah, Brothers, every talks, time they use Thunderstruck in a trailer, they want 100% of that money. So that, t- I but just... I'll tell you this now. Whoever buys Razor's Edge today, it's not because of money talk. It's because of Thunderstruck. Uh, of course, yeah. Thunderstruck is the, the big money, the song that they'd be going for. sold back then. It doesn't sell now. That 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 song's fucking right. forgotten. Well, I think we'd all agree the next album, Ball Breaker, is a much better album, but yeah. it didn't it didn't yeah. sell like this. Exactly. And I know a lot. I know a lot of people that slam Ball oh, Breaker. Oh yeah, yeah, a I lot of people oh, hate Ball oh, Breaker. Yeah, no, people Terrence. that like Razor's Edge hates Ball Breaker. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. Terrence hates Ball Breaker. Oh, the Actually, the only maybe we'll talk about like my overall feeling afterward. But there, this for a long time, like rap was my least favorite uh, ACDC album. Razor's Edge. There's one that I think is a little weaker, even though there's not any songs that are as bad as this on this album. Uh, I think Black Ice is a little oh, weaker. I, I, only I think it's way better. It's uh, not I mean, a great th- album. But it's not. Brian sounds better, and it's a, much better, and the production's better, and there's no annoying songs like on this album. But I don't think there's anything that's half as like fun or good as like Fire Guns. I, I, I need to hear that album again because, you know, in all honesty, uh, I've only heard that album once, and there was like not one song that caught my attention. I could it tell was... you one song on that album I love, <coughs> but I have yet to meet anybody that likes it. Matter of fact, everybody slams the song. I love the song Anything Goes off that album. I think it's so much fun. It's catchy. It's got this, yeah, it's very commercial sounding, but I love it. I really love it. Yeah, I it's all like, right. I, I liked it better. They kind of redid it again on Rock or Bust. The, 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 what's the rock, the, the one blues in the title? Uh, oh, a, Rockin' My Blues Away. I love that song. I, I feel like that's a better version of Anything Goes. I feel like they yeah, kind of yeah, did it again. It's very commercial. I know Ian will hate it. That I know. It uh, sounds a little like a Jordan Ian, song, Ian, actually. Ian will, uh, you know, will put aside Razor's Edge of being different and then say, you know, anything goes, I want ACDC. This ain't ACDC. Yeah, but, I, I, I don't know. But I like I haven't listened to Rock or Bust since we reviewed that album. I, I love, love Rock or Bust. Oh, I love yeah, it. That, I to me, that did everything. A few weeks ago. I have it on vinyl. You know what's great about Rock or Bust? Because they suddenly stopped making it like 14 songs now. Like they went back to just being like, isn't it just like 10 songs on that album? Like it's yeah, tight. it's great. It's only got like yeah. maybe three three songs I don't like. The rest is solid. But I'm, I'm kind of saying like Stiff Upper Lip, man. I don't remember. Other than the title track, I don't remember that album. That, album's I, grown, that, grow, that album has grown on me recently. And, and, and I, I love I love the title track, but that uh, I didn't really care for that. Uh, the other single, I think it was I Feel Safe in New York City. Yeah. I didn't really care for that but one. Sa- Satellite Blues is a great song. I love that song. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, honestly, I need to go back and yeah, revisit it. Yeah, that's one I never revisit, but I remember not hating it as much as this. 
I think you guys, if you haven't listened to it in a while, definitely give it a uh, listen. Yeah, yeah, Stiff Upper Lip has a really good production. It kind of yeah. minds. It has a real bluesy powerage kind of vibe. I mean, it's not the well, level of songwriting's not powerage, but it's got that vibe. I, I know. Just doing this album review, uh, it, you know, it's it's got my Brian going. I want I want to hear some fucking Brian. But when I want to hear Brian, I know as soon as it's done, and I get back to clean the house. I'm going to throw on fucking For Those About the Rock. I was going to say For Those About the Rock. Right? Yeah, that's hands down. <laughs> hands down. No burnout that is factor. My, yeah. I love every song on it. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe Back in Black is better. I don't know. Uh, but I think for, Back in Black is way better. Though for, I, love, I love For Those About the Rock more than Flick of the Switch. But honestly, it's, I really feel, honestly, I feel anybody that says For Those About the Rock is better than Back in Black, you just want to be different. Because Back in Black I, is so huge, I want to be countercultural. No, Back in no, Black I, is way it, better. It, it's just it's just a personal opinion, man. I mean, I mean that's what I'm saying. It might not be better. I'm saying it's my favorite. I would rather hear for those about to rock. Well, I yeah, love. I, I can understand that, but but I, I, I love better. I love I, I love every song on both albums. I think if, uh, if it, it was the other way around, for those about the rock was as big as Back in Black and. Back in Black was as big as for those about the rock. You'd be saying, "No, no, Back in Black is better." Well, you, you know what? I, I I get that because I I, I think people who like the Elder uh, say they like the Elder because it's it's cool and alternative and weird to say. And you say I'm yeah. wrong. So no, 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 I don't say you're wrong about the Elder. I agree with you on the Elder. The Elder is not a Kiss album. I'll take many Kiss albums. I'll take every Kiss album before the Elder over the Elder, except for Unmasked. But I love The Elder. I just think it's a weird album. It's not a Kiss album. And yes, I will say every album before it is better. Rock and Roll Over is better. Dynasty's better. And take your pick. Every uh, every 70s album is better yeah. than The Elder. Well, well, well no, I, I'm not saying you, you say something better, but you still like it. I but love I, it. Not like but I, I love you, it. You know, you know in, in my opinion, in my head, I think if you say that, you're just trying to be countercultural. And I think that's what... But but I I I honestly Maybe. believe that think, the same I way think... you honestly believe that I'm being weird by saying that I I like for those about to rock I'll, better. I will uh, not say the Elder is better than you know albums before it. You know Love Gun or whatever. You know I, I, or even Destroyer, right. my least favorite of the seventies. I think right. it's better than the Elder. You know. Right. No, I agree. But you know. The Elder, though, is so, like, so different, with maybe the exception of Parts of Destroyer. It's so different from other Kiss albums. Whereas for those about to rock, like, and I do think Back in Black is the better of the two, but for those about to rock has become my go-to album only because it's not as played out. Yeah, and, and, that, and that could be it. It could be the burnout factor. Yeah, I don't they're know. Pretty close. The I think they're very close in quality more so than I think people truth, admit. I think back uh, for those about to rock is more burnt out than Flick of the Switch. But what, I, you mean I, the whole album? Yeah, because oh. I lived that era, you know? That album was played to death back then. I love it. I like it more than Flick of the Switch, but I listen to Flick of the Switch more. You know? Yeah, yeah but that's definitely, that's probably my second. I also listen to Flying Wall. But yeah. I, will, you know, the, I will say, for those about to rock, it's better than Flick of the Switch. It yeah, tapers off, though. It tapers off. I don't like well, the last Yeah, song see, song. see, see, I, I don't agree. I love every song. Yeah, I, I just, and the only song that I'm burned out on uh is the title track but the thing is when i listen to it i'm i'm not that spotify guy i'm not like the singles guy i'm an album man and when i listen to it it's like there's no way it can start out you know 
you know, it starts out with, and then it's perfect. When I listen to it in the context of now, it's great. But if, if it came just by itself on the radio, I'd be prone to skip. Yeah, but, it's uh, just like uh, Hell's Bells or like like uh, Give Me Shelter and Let It Bleed. Like that's for those about to rock. Like you just, right. it's part of the experience. Oh, yeah, that, I agree 100%. On. If yeah. I'm going to listen for those about to rock, I got to hear the whole thing. And, gonna... and, and now when I hear for those about to rock, I always think about Ralph crying. Yeah, and, and and I don't mean I don't mean that as no, a no. joke hey, man, or, or a slam. I think it's funny though, no, but no, no, it made no, me cry. I I no seriously though when I think about it, I think about is how fucking cool it is that 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 got to you that way. And now when I hear it, I I, I feel that kind of that empowerment, that kind of you know like camaraderie. And I, I really see it as, as a positive. No, I'm not joking in the slightest. When I hear that now, I think about that. And I think about how much that fucking impacted you. And I think about how much it impacts me. And it makes me enjoy it even fucking more. I'm like, fuck, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I totally that, get it. It's, it's that one little part. Like, oh, yeah. Salute. Yeah. Yeah. That part right there made me cry. Uh, that's how it was no, the, other, the other week when we were doing the, the Van Halen. When I talk, man, when they played Women in Love, like, I was damn near teary-eyed. And it's, it's not because the song is sentiment, but it's just something I loved so fucking much that I thought I would never hear live. And it just, like, just, like, all the joy of being a music fan and everything. It's, it's like, it, it, it's almost overwhelming. Like, oh, my God, something that means so much to you. You know, so I totally, I totally get that. Yeah, is that they when they pick up at the end when it you know it picks up the tempo? Oh yeah. That just, in the canon start that always gave me I didn't cry but it did always give me like chills. Yeah. Is uh yeah just something about it's very moving you know. It made oh. me cry like a bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, like you said, the way it picks up, it takes yeah. all of the fucking you know for us fucking metalheads and us hard rock guys you know that. You know, are, you know the people we know in life. You know the coworkers we have that nobody understands us. Nobody gets out of this music what we get out of it. So you're always feeling like a fucking outsider. But when you hear that, it's just like it, it's telling you it's all right. It's telling you you are right. You know, for getting this, man. And that it's powerful, man. It's powerful stuff. You know, power you know, based easy. Oh, oh, what's weird too? Here's a little footnote on that song. Back in 1981 or two, like maybe a year or two after that album came out, uh, Gene Simmons cited it as the greatest song ever. I don't think he still thinks that, but at that time, he thought For Those About to Rock was the greatest song ever written. Uh, he, did, he did a thing like about uh, two years ago where he did like the t a top 10 albums, and he put For Those About to Rock there, and he said uh, in it that he thinks Back in Black is a better album, but because of For Those About to Rock, the song alone, he picked this See, album. There you go. Yeah. So I guess yeah. he still feels that way about that song. Yeah. yeah, he thinks it's a great anthem, and he likened it to like you know rock and roll night or Detroit Rock City. He said it's just a, an anthem that he loves, and it's about you know rock and roll, and he loves it. Well, enough about good ACDC. <laughs> yeah. I love that we just started talking about. Yeah, you know, well, about we, had to, we had to put a little sunshine in the thunder. <laughs> Edwin, why don't you talk about goodbye and good riddance? No, before that, I didn't get to talk about let's make it, and I oh, want to talk about. It. Yeah, because. <laughs> Because it is my least favorite AC oh, wow. song. Wow. Yeah, it's the bottom of the barrel. I hate wow. it. You know what? I love ACDC so much that I don't like saying I hate an ACDC song. 
but I hate this fucking song. Wow. It annoys me. I don't know why. It's. It, I think you hit upon it, Ralph, with the bridge when they do the na 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 na. That you know the way you felt about the the thunderstruck. The, nah, 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 nah. Well, that's how I. That's how I feel about those na na nas in the middle. Right. Ah, oh, it's just fucking. It's so. It's just like a cheap generic. Uh, version of like uh, you shook me, yeah, it, it, of you shook me all night long, but like plus suck, you know, minus cool, and it's just, I just always hated the song and the way they sound in the chorus, like let's make it. Uh, no, it just the song always grated on me. I never liked it, and it's only gotten worse over the years. Like whenever, I mean, I well, I never, I never sit down and listen to all the Racer's Edge. Why would I do that? Once in a blue moon, I might pop and fire your guns or. Uh, the like are you ready and um, the the got you by the balls but that's pretty much it um i don't really listen to anything else on this album anymore uh but this song is my least favorite acdc song easily i think it's really shitty well i'm glad you did talk about it now <laughs> so i got that off my chest the next Shit one uh but goodbye and good riddance to bad luck eh, that's kind of my feeling i don't hate it i don't love it i don't like it it, it feels like it'd be like a song on black ice kind of it's just kind of a song that's there it's kind of bluesy there's nothing annoying about it there's nothing irritating about it but there's nothing cool or rocking about it either it's just there uh it doesn't bother me but it's not something it's definitely not a song i'm going to be thinking about afterwards either so uh, or while i'm listening to it uh it's just it's there that's how i feel about that song yeah goodbye to good riddance to bad luck jesus christ don't we have enough songs on here already? <laughs> By this time, I'm struggling not to zone out, but it's impossible. This is just there. Nothing memorable about it. Uh, this should have been the last song and renamed the song Goodbye to the Good Riddance to the fucking worst ACDC album ever. I fucking hate this song. Fuck this song. Ian? Um, yeah, my notes say stop already. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I, I don't think I hate it as much as you, Ralph, but I mean, it's just uh, stop already because there's nothing stand out about this. I don't think this is, uh, I like this better than Rock Your Heart Out. I like it better than Mistress for Christmas. I like it better than Money Talks. Um, you know, it, saying a lot. Yeah, no, it's not. But what I'm saying is, you know, this has more songs than any other ACDC album and stop already. Or at least replace, you know, one of those horrible songs with this one. Because it, it's not, I, again, there's nothing like horrible, horrible about it. But there's nothing stand out either. It's a filler track. But on an album where you have so many filler tracks, you don't need this much filler. You know, this, this is like fucking, uh, like Melanie Griffin's lips right now. Like, you don't need them that big. Just take it back a notch. You know, they don't need more filler on an album full of filler. But it's not as horrible as some of the worst songs on here. But then we go into the last track, If You Dare. And uh, my notes are no thanks. Uh, again, this is, it might as well be called Goodbye, Good Rinse to Bad Luck Part 2. Uh, because it's the same thing. Not the worst ever, but... There, there's no reason to make this album 12 songs. You don't have 12 quality songs, but it is the CD age. Hey, let's fill it up. And and the thing is, even with 12 songs, this album is uh, only 46 minutes. You know? 
so it's not like it's one of those Soundgarden song uh, albums that had 37 songs and takes up every last second. Uh, you know, they, they didn't need this. 46 minutes. It's 43 minutes too long. <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- this one does nothing for me, but doesn't piss me off as much as uh, the the worst offenders on side one. What do you think, Edwin? Uh, this one I feel like maybe if it was with a different producer could have been kind of the cool way to end the album. I mean, I like the gang vocals that come on outside. It's just the way it's produced sounds too slick and it's like a little too little too late like but on a title tighter version of this album with uh kind of beefier songs and better production like i wouldn't have minded this is just kind of a channy kind of sing-along ending track um that being said it's you know but i just really don't like i mean a big part of this album big thing i hate about is the sound of the drums the sound of production the sound of brian even though i love brian he just sounds like shit i think on this album and you know, this is not good. This this song, it doesn't is it good enough to transcend all those issues? It's just kind of there, and so it ends kind of on. I mean, it's it's I guess one of the better songs, but it's still I wouldn't put it in the top four. So that's what I think about that song. All right, all right. if you dare, okay, this is a first ever on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. This is the first time this has ever happened to me. I listened to the song. I listened to it. But I have absolutely nothing to say about it because I completely zoned out by this point. I've been there. I tried to get back to zone in, and then I would look around going, wow, look at all those CDs I got. Wait, 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 wait. Let me get back to the song. Then I'm listening to the song going, man, I can't believe I own the Soundhouse tapes on vinyl. Wait, 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 wait. Let me get back to the song. Then I, I just noticed the rest of the song. I kept staring at my watch. So I have absolutely nothing to say about the song because... I, I couldn't study it. By this time in the album, it's like, I forget it, man. I can't focus no more on this shit. So oh, I, that happens I, to me all the time. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember this song. So, yeah, first for me, I, I did an Ian. And, uh, and it's like while, the racer's head. And yes, while sorry. sober, by the way. <laughs> Usually drunk, you, you know, zone out is much more simpler. Try doing that sober. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, fuck that. Fuck Fuck this album. Fucking, and, and believe me, ACDC is like top five band for me. You know, especially with Bond. Uh, well, Bond era is my favorite ACDC. I love the Brian era, but that's not in my top ten. The Bond era is. Uh, nothing against Brian. I love some of those albums, especially the first three and the last one. But this one, man, is like the epitome of the worst fucking album from an amazing fucking band. And it is really, really really bad I mean this is a piece of shit album where my third and second favorite songs on this album suck they suck Got Your Balls and Shot of Love those are like my second and favorite song a third favorite song I hate them I just like Fire Your Guns that's the only song I like on this the rest of it is fucking garbage but, this is like they're hot in the shade <laughs> yeah well Crazy Nights actually I, I've grown to like Heart and Shade more more than Crazy Nights, and Heart and Shade oh, still remains as shitty as it's always been. But Crazy Nights really like, especially when we studied it uh, for the review. Uh, when I studied, I go, you know what? At least Heart and Shade had like a couple okay songs. There's not one fucking for no 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 to be my favorite song off that album. 
Holy crap, does that fucking shit suck. Yeah, but Hot in the Shade had 57 songs on it. You know, <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. There was more of a chance to find something somewhere. <laughs> but so, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll take Hot in the Shade over Crazy Nights any day. Oh my god, we we agree this is uh, not a high point, even though it was a high point in their popularity. This was released September 21st, 1990, produced by the late, thank god, Bruce Fairburn. September 21st? Yes. I thought this shit was released on 9-11. Yeah, (laughs) it's a precursor. Uh, But it went on to sell 5 million copies in the U.S. alone. Uh, was the highest charting ACDC album at number two on the U.S. Uh, Billboard 200 charts. So it, it it did. It was a resurgence. I, I think uh, you know Edwin brought up a great point earlier where he said this is what cemented them into classic rock radio. You know, because they kind of went away a little bit. You know, but with this, then you start hearing it all the time, and now they're a permanent fixture. Uh, I, you know, I don't really know about that, man, because Fly in the Wall, Flick of the Switch, and Blow Up Your Video, though they didn't sell as well as this, they were still packing arenas uh, with the strength of Back in Black. I think Back in Black has just cemented them. Well, well, no, well, no, I mean, no, I get that as far as a turnout. I'm saying as far as, like, radio and, yeah, and, and, right. and for the masses. And and we all know what we, we think of both of them. Right, but you know, even like like I, I gotta tell you, and maybe disposable. it was different in the Philly a- area, but you didn't like I said, even the headbangers. No one wore ACDC shirts before. Like I only knew one, literally one guy that had an ACDC patch on his oh, uh, yeah. denim jacket. I mean, before Razor's Edge, like I said, it was like unusual that I liked them. They might have uh, still been a big touring act, but I right. didn't know anyone oh, that listened well, to ACDC it, before it, the it, Razor's Edge, it's except like for I, this I, one I kid. Down here, people were fanatical of ACDC yeah. all through those years, man. But, you know, we we have an interesting, uh, you know, because we're all from different parts of the country, we can say, like, yeah, maybe everybody in Miami loved it. Yeah. But I'm saying, I'm saying throughout throughout the rest of the country, uh, they kind of died down, and album sales showed that. But, like, what you said about with nobody wearing an ACDC shirt, that's how I was with Metallica. And I always said this, you know, until the Black Album, only scumbags, yep. o- only the biggest stoners in school, all the rejects, that's who wore a Metallica shirt. If you saw a Metallica shirt, you judged them, you know. And then the Black Album, the football team loves Metallica, you know. Yeah, it's, the football team loves Razor's Edge. Yeah, and, and especially, you know, during like Load and Reload with Metallica, you know, then everybody loves them. Then it's cool, it's hip, everybody likes it. Uh, as we all know, that's a sign of that album sucked, uh, you know, but yeah, I, I mean, I definitely remember ACDC, there was fans, but man, after this, they were acceptable. And I, I'm laughing, looking at the reviews for this, because when this album came out, Rolling Stone gave it a, a horrible review, said that uh, ACDC set a new record for the longest career without a single new idea. But then they re-review it in 2008. <laughs> after it sold like a gazillion copies then oh what a rebirth of this band you know this is by the same magazine like now God, they I love that now, now that, that now that it's sold so much oh it's good now but yeah. when they first heard it they give an honest opinion they didn't like it but now well, it's that's like, what they're like with everything they were like oh yeah, oh, yeah. Zeppelin, Zeppelin, oh yeah Zeppelin, solo Paul McCartney oh yeah all that stuff is now <laughs> yeah. in the rock and roll hall of fame but yeah. back then they hated it till the people showed them they're fucking wrong the diehards you know 
Yeah. The, the it, influence, much yeah. more influence than people, because what really tells you about a band is not how high it is in the chart, not this and that. It's when Dimebag put an Ace Frehley tattoo on his chest. When right. people were like, hey, you know, this, they, kids, Ace Frehley, kids influence a lot, but they were a fucking joke. I got my ass kicked because of AC, uh, kids in the 70s, yeah. you know? But this is an example of not even the diehards making it pop, but they just went with popular opinion because this being the fifth best-selling ACDC album of all time, that's that's criminal. But but just because, you know, the Fairweather motherfuckers are like, oh, yeah, ACDC, I like, you know, that. I like Money Talks. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would rather listen to Why Can't This Be Love than, than Mean Ooh. Street. There oh. you go. Look who yeah. sold more. That right there, you know, that right there emphasizes what sales means. And a lot of people like Eddie Trunk and all you fucking idiots that follow Eddie Trunk, you you all just, dude, Eddie Trunk will not fucking talk about something that, a band that didn't sell. They, uh, name one fucking band that Eddie Trunk like goes off on that, that huh. either one didn't Winery so much dogs. Or, well, winery dogs, cause that, dude, winery dogs. Is uh, I'm just schmoozing on, on right. Uh, but, no, I'm joking. But there's 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 either he loves bands that sold a lot or bands that were very influential. Uh, name any other band that that guy likes. Oh, uh, who was it? I think it was Mark Allen Taylor or somebody like that going. Oh well, Eddie Trunk like newer bands like Rivalry Sons or some shit. Oh boy, Rivalry Sons, open for Black Sabbath. Gee. I guess they have good management. Tell me some band doesn't have good management, hasn't opened for a big band that Eddie Trunk loves. Fuck that guy. Fuck all you fucking followers that think this guy's some kind of spokesman. He's a fucking phony baloney, uh, only interested in what fucking sells, and he only badmouths bands that don't want to talk to him. Oh, Paul Stanley's got a shitty voice. And next on the air is Joe Elliott, and I ain't gonna say a goddamn bo- uh, fucking word about his voice live. Fuck that phony bitch. Thank you. Well, there you go. Well, now it is time to go into the pick of the week. And Edwin, you are our special guest. So what is your pick of the week? Uh, I'm going to pick an album. I think that was kind of going for a similar thing as the Razor's Edge, where it's the kind of conscious, poppier comeback kind of album. Uh, to, uh, But yet, I think, is much better and didn't lose the spirit of the band. And uh, it was around the same time period, too. So Motorhead 1916. Uh, because, like, that album was the first album that Lemmy recorded uh, when he Sharon Osbourne was uh, managing him for this brief period, very brief period. And he had just moved to L.A. He was, you know, going to the Rainbow, going to the Sunset. And he was like, OK, here, here's like a new kind of refreshed Motorhead. And the songs were more melodic and it was a little slicker. I mean, by Motorhead standards, we're talking. And there was like a song like Angel City that had horns on it and stuff. So there was a lot of different sides. It was a very diverse record. And I got a sense, this was the first album uh, I got into with Motorhead. It was the first album I listened to. And you listen to it now in retrospect, especially as part of its whole discography, you, it's kind of a different album. You could hear like they were kind of, I mean, he was trying to branch out a bit. Like he was trying to get a little more mainstream. Uh, and it didn't work, unlike the Razor's Edge, you know, because it's Lemmy and it's not, you know, there weren't songs like Money Talks. Uh, so it just wasn't happening. And then they kind of went even more in that direction, March or Die, which I think 
uh, is a lesser effort. I think that's probably one of their weakest albums. So it's like they tried they tried something different in 1916, and I think they did it successfully, kind of like they did prior with uh, Another Perfect Day. Uh, but then it didn't really take. He tried March or Die, that wasn't good, and then you know he got back and did you know two amazing albums, Bastards and Sacrifice. So it was good that Lemmy finally got back to doing what Motorhead does best. But I still really like this album, and I think it's a good album if you want to hear a kind of different side of Motorhead and hear a kind of catchier, more melodic kind of Motorhead. I think 1916 is a, a good album to check out. Well, uh, you know, this is my opinion on 1916. I can name you with more than two hands better motorhead albums but as i look at my wall right now i probably have 1916 framed a poster of 1916 framed on my wall because i do think it's a dark horse album where they did try to get a little more commercial but man i mean the one song that really really sticks out on that album for me is no voices in the sky that song is so good but it's it's commercial-ish but it's great. It's Lemmy, you know, saying, hey, man, there ain't no God. And just the way he, do it, the, the vibe of it. Then you have, like, a dark song like Nightmare and uh, the, the tribute to the Ramones. The extremely catchy single. Um, what is it? I'm, I'm so, so bad, bad, baby, I don't, I don't Oh, my care. God. What a great Love fucking that. song. Uh, the, I'm not the one to sing the blues. The amazing album, the amazing song that didn't make the album, Eagle Rock, which I think should have made the album. Uh, I think it's a great, oh. And no, no, and my favorite track is the fucking title track. You know, you want, you want beautiful talk, song. Oh man, dude, the day Lemmy died, that song made me cry. I put that that song on, it just made me cry. Uh, beautiful fucking orchestrated song. It's like it hits me like the wall. Pink Floyd hit me, you know. And uh, I think it's a great fucking album. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm more of an old school guy, and I can't put it above basically everything before it pretty much except maybe the first album which i still love i love that first motorhead album but it was a little too you know primitive where i kind of like will take 1916 over it and i take you know, uh, and march or die is my least favorite that and snake bite love those two two albums are the only two that really uh, i'll put at the very bottom but yeah, hammered isn't that good either i don't know hammered doesn't really do much it, for me it has its moments but uh but you know what, 1916, you know, I, I probably put it on my wall, even though I, I you know, because I think it is them doing something different. But, but it, it's special. It's still, I still find it special because it showed that Lemmy, without losing his credibility, uh, made it a little more commercial, but still keeping it Motorhead. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I, that that makes it extra special to me, and that shows you what a great, great uh, fucking man that guy was. I would have to say 1916, along with March or Die, are my two least favorite Motorhead albums. Uh, but with 1916, I think it, you know, it's 90% because of the production, not because of the songs. Because there's definitely more songs I like on 1916 than March or Die. But I, I, I think the production is absolutely... I, I, I don't think Bruce Fairburn could have done a worse job. And that's what it sounds like to me. The production on that is fucking terrible. But Lemmy actually did, he loves the album. He thought they were some of his best songs he ever wrote in 1916. He was very proud of it, but he didn't like the sound of the mastering. Yeah, uh, because they, like mixed it down it, they mixed down his bass too low. And that's a thing where I think to make it a little bit more mainstream, because normally, especially at that time period, mainstream heavy metal and hard rock, the guitars were always up, it's more treble, and the bass was down. But there is a new, um, 
it wasn't part of the remasters when they did those remasters and like the middos but there is an import remaster of 1916 which i actually discovered one day just by accident in amoeba uh and it sounds great they actually beef up the bass and it sounds a little heavier and a little more like the way you want a motorhead album to sound so if you can ever get a hand on that plus it has the two b-sides uh the eagle rock and, uh in one other song i forget the, the name of the other b-side but it's got the two B-sides and it's remastered and it pumped up the bass and it sounds great and it made Ooh, like me reappreciate the album. Yeah, no, it's really I didn't good have a problem job. with production, but I, I'm, I'm retarded when it comes to production. All right, I'm going to go take a piss. Yeah, the No Voices from the Sky, that was actually the video I saw that made me run out and get the album. I love that song so much. That, that song, it's so amazing. I was just like, oh, fuck. So I already good. knew a few of their songs. I knew Ace of you know, Spades, of course, but I wasn't like... You know, Motorhead was, a, again, a, a band that people were really talking about a lot uh, in the they, late they 80s, were, at least not my were, friends. They were definitely that band, dude, that they were special. They were like what D. Snyder says, the diamond in the pocket. Uh, it's one of those, like, you know, D. Simon, uh, D. Snyder said, you have a diamond in your pocket, and you put it in your pocket, and then everybody, then the, the band becomes huge, and the diamond is, it, it, is put in a little glass case where everybody's looking at it and you're in the back of the line trying to see that diamond that once was in your pocket, but now everybody loves the diamond. Well, that motorhead, that diamond never left my pocket. Yeah, they became more popular, especially before he died, but they still were that diamond in the pocket. They still were the people's band, you know? And yeah. I'll always love, because motorhead, as popular as they got, they still weren't, you know, uh, you know, the last time I saw Motorhead was the biggest show I ever saw him was at the Papano Beach Amphitheater. And, I mean, it's big for them. And it wasn't really that packed. I mean, it wasn't sold out or anything. But that was the biggest. The, it's a shame. The biggest Motorhead ever was in the United States was right before he died. Yeah, you know, I think that documentary uh, helped him a lot. Kind of yeah, boost, probably, uh, brought yeah. awareness. Yeah. Yeah, it was not one, you know, one nice thing, you know, as sad as that was when Lemmy died, I was happy to hear that it's like actually Ace of Spades like charted. Oh, did like, it? Like, yeah, it actually charted in the UK and the US. Like, yeah, it actually it, broke like. Well, the top well, <laughs> well. Not a lot of people know this, but in the early '80s, Motorhead was the biggest band in Europe in England. Oh yeah, in England. Yeah, in didn't England, that, they're, they're, they're no uh, no suit to with one platinum. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that like a number one album in I England? So. Yeah, I so. Yeah, I so. They were huge there. I'm talking about United States. They were. Always a diamond in the pocket, man. Yeah, yeah they the were. End. They were a cult band, like I said. Yeah. I didn't. That they were a discovery, but that's what makes them special. Like it's a discovery, like you know, that, watching. And, and and it was cool to like Motorhead if you were a punk rocker. Yeah, know? they they were a crossover. Like, yeah, they punk were one rock of those person. Band, like punk rock bands will not like any band with long hair unless it was Motorhead. You know? I knew some punk rockers that did like Bon Scott era ACDC. Uh, little like there's motorhead bon scott era acdc and like the ramones kind of crossed over between punks right. and metalheads at least from what i saw they were kind of the three groups well motorhead uh, ramones was another diamond in the pocket band i mean the last time i saw the ramones they were opening uh they were like the fourth act on a Lollapalooza. you know they were never and every i've seen ramones i don't know maybe 12 times in little clubs always oh they'd pack them but they, they, they never played a big place ever. You know, they yeah. were always a diamond in the pocket then. Like and the, yet those the songs were so and, catchy. The Ramones and Motorhead were in par. Th those were the two bands that was cool to like on both ends. 
But then there's a lot of people that hate the Ramones, you know, which is weird. Yeah, I don't trust people that don't yeah, like the Ramones. Me neither. Alrighty. All right, Ian, what's your pick of the week? All right, well, my pick of the week this week is the new album by Ghost. Prequel. Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> now I gotta pick something else. And, uh... This is one, like, I loved Rats when I first heard it. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. I, the video got, but the way he dances in the video really threw me off and kind of borderline ruined the song because it's like some ballerina type shit. I don't know, for whatever reason, it really disturbed me. But, like, if I watch the video, and there's cool elements about the video, but his dancing throws me off like that Billy Squire dancing shit. But if I just listen to the song the way you should, uh, fucking amazing. Uh, now, the second single, the one that really turned a lot of people off, Dance Macabre, uh, that, man, I watched the video, I was like, oh my god, this is fucking apprehensible. This is fucking terrible pop music. Uh, but the video, to me, is absolutely horrible. You know, which, which, you know, showing everybody bobbing their head to it, Charlie Benente drumming to it, and Phil and Semo banging his head and all these other people. I was like, oh, this, this is fucking lame. What, what, one of the worst videos I've ever seen, and the song's too poppy. But again, when I listened to it just with my ears and not my eyes, uh, I accepted it a lot more. And then as I listened to the whole album, I was like, I kind of get this, because I, I, I keep bitching about Ghost, like, God damn it, do the first album over again. Keep doing the first album over again, because it's darker. You know, it's it's more metal, and everything else keeps getting lighter and lighter and lighter. And I kept wanting them to change, but I think with this album, they changed me. I kind of accepted, like, okay, this is what Ghost is going for. It, it, it's lighter shit, but I get it with this album. Uh, and right off the bat, I, I really dig it. At atmospheric, there's some really cool instrumentals on it. Uh, so a really good album. Don't watch the videos, just listen to the music, and I think you'll get more out of it. Don't get caught up in that they wear masks and they have all this shit. Just listen to it, and I think you'll get a lot more out of it. I'm really digging the new album. So, Prequel is my pick of the week. My favorite track off uh, Prequel is Fate. That That's song a good, is yeah. so good. I like it's that so one. so good, and I really do enjoy the album. Uh, I have it on vinyl now. Um, nice. And I, that was, like, right when you said that, I thought... The second you said it, I thought, oh, I'm going to pick the new ghost because I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I'm going to pick something else. And uh, All right, my pick of the week is something I got in the mail yesterday that I watched this morning, and I was so surprised because I didn't really think it was going to be that good because this is a very underground band with not a lot of money, and they just released a documentary DVD that I had to buy. And I was pleasantly surprised how amazingly well it was made. Even though when you put the DVD in, it has no menu. You know, so fucking... But when you put the actual story, it's very well made. A great documentary. I'm talking about The Kings of Sleaze, The Mentors documentary. Amazing. It's really amazing. And it's got some... You know, it's got people, gore, ravens in it. Uh, you know, um, uh, St. Vitus is interviewed. Crazy, nice. insane stories of... Uh, El Duce of all the crazy shit he did and something that I didn't realize you know the whole story of uh, El Duce said uh, Courtney Love went up to him and offered yeah. him $50,000 to kill Kurt Cobain 
Well, in that interview, I never noticed this, but in the interview, you know, Dutchie's all drunk up, drunk, and he's like, you know, if you give me beer, I'll talk more. And uh, at one point, he goes, I know who killed Kurt Cobain, but I'm not going to say it anyway. Yeah, Alan, oh, shit, did I say that? Oh, man. He actually said the guy's name that killed Kurt, well, supposedly killed Kurt Cobain. He's in the documentary, and he's talking, and it's really weird because he says, I was so pissed at Duce. I was like, why the fuck would you say that, dude? So he confronted Duce about it. And he said, Duce, why the fuck would you say that? I killed Kurt Cobain, this and that. And he said, oh, Duce was kind of like being vague and joking around. Oh, man. Let's do that. So he took El Duce somewhere and bought him beer. And he was the last person to see El Duce because right after El Duce bought that beer, he got hit by a train. And to me, I don't know. They don't mention it in the documentary, but boy. It seems kind of suspect. This Allen guy, right? You play. You, you say Allen killed Kirk Cobain. Next thing you know, Allen's the last guy to see you, and you get hit by a train. I don't know, man. I think uh, people should look at Allen <laughs> for killing Kirk Cobain and Dooch. But man, it's so well made. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's called The Kings of Sleeves. It just came out, and it's wild because Blabbermouth ran a story on it. It was on uh, Friday. No, no, I'm sorry. On Thursday. No, listen to me. Wednesday. On Wednesday, I uh, ordered it. I got it on Friday, two days later. So believe me, if you order this shit, and it was uh, sent to me by, because when I got the package, it said a girl's name on it. And I said, who the fuck's this? Who sent me this? And I opened it up as a mentor. Then when I put the DVD, the girl is who made the, the DVD. So I guess she's selling it herself. And she's really quick to send it out. So... Uh, that's my pick of the week, the new DVD uh, Mentors documentary, which believe me, I have like four Mentor documentaries from back in the day, and they're all terrible. They're all, you know, terribly produced. It's just low budget. This one is like really well, well made, and it goes into the whole story of how El Duce became El Duce, the PMRC, you know, Frank Zappa's in it, and it's hilarious because Frank Zappa said in the documentary, he said, you know, uh, he was talking about PM, so he goes, you know how far you had to dig deep to find this? And then, <laughs> and then Frank Zappa started uh, reciting the, the lyrics to Golden Shower. It was just so funny to hear him say, oh, bend up and smell my anal vapor. Your face <laughs> is my toilet paper, you know? And then they had the hearings where the guy's reciting those lyrics. And then you hear like one of the fucking like commissioners there going, all right, I think we had enough. <laughs> It's great. It's awesome. It's groundbreaking. It shows you how amazing this band was and how controversial and how much they did not give a flying fuck. And Brian Slagle's in it talking about, you know, El Duce, when he was sober, he was a very intelligent person. But boy, I think I only saw him sober once. You know, he was always. And then there was another time that El Duce, (laughs) listen to this story. It's fucking hilarious. El, uh, El Duce seemed to attract like the scummiest people on earth and he got this one guy that was a complete heroin addict all fucked up that went up to El Duce while he's all drunk and goes dude I want to be your manager and El Duce's like okay so so he takes El Duce to the Metal Blade place and they're both completely fucked up out of their mind going up to Brian Sagal going alright man we want an advance they wanted money to go get drugs and Brian Sagal's like look I can't do it so El Duce like Took out his dick and started peeing on his desk. <laughs> Get it? It's awesome. And that's only one of the many hysterical stories on it. And hysterical footages 
of El Duce passed out where his pants are on his ankles and they're dragging him out where he looks like a frog. You know how frogs are with their legs like that? And they're dragging him out of a party and many, many, you know, many adventures. And it just shows El Duce walking around with his dick out. Uh, it's great. It's awesome, and uh, check it out. It's yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. I never dived into The Mentors, so this might oh. be an opportunity. I knew, yeah. I remember El Duce from the Kurt and Courtney uh, documentary, yeah. so I do remember him being a character. Uh, yeah. Just no, no, that, and, so. yeah, yeah. And, I, well, and, and, and for everybody out there, if you want to get El, uh, El Mentors music, I highly recommend you ask for it and up the dose. And don't get that CD that brings both in one, because it they take out Rock'em Sock'em, one of my favorite mentor songs, which is a song about Sicky White Beater beating up his wife. Rock'em Sock'em, it's a gas. Rock'em Sock'em, gonna fuck your, kick your ass. <laughs> so there you go, my, my pick of the week. The Mentors, Kings of Sleeves, DVD out there. Brand new, get it now. Alrighty, well that is our pick of the week, and now it's time to go into Fan of the Week, and Fan of the Week is here with us. And luckily now, with a better connection, Mr. Edwin Canastracci, uh, man, we thank you so much. This is the second year in the row you donated, and you picked two horrible albums, but they're <laughs> by big bands, so they'll get big numbers. So that I appreciate. Uh, but I like that you picked something a little, uh, you know, out of the box. And, uh, man, we appreciate you being a fan, and uh, just give us a little tidbit on on how you found us and and why you keep listening well uh yeah i thought it's through the uh ralph's videos uh almost human you know the kiss uh videos were the the main thing but you know and i, I think it's one of the earlier fans uh i was listening to you guys maybe were like uh maybe eight episodes in 10 episodes about then uh, and you know, just part of the page, it's always great, you know. I mean, even when it's not an album that's like from a band, it's very rarely not a band I'm into because you know, we have a lot of the same taste. But once in a blue moon, if there's an album I don't like, I still listen to it just because you guys are very entertaining. And you know, I just and, and plus I like the digress. You know, you guys will digress and start talking about another album, perhaps from a band I like. So, so you know, I will always listen just for that reason alone. And uh, yeah, and you know, like that's the thing, you know, I love ACDC, so just any ACDC fans out there, just know I love that band, but you know, even a great band can have a flawed album or a weak album, and I still think this album was a necessary album because it made them big again. It's just that, you know, if you're a hardcore ACDC fan, you didn't need it, but you know, a lot of casual fans did. Uh, so, but, but, so that's what I think of uh, ACDC and the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Well, thank you awesome. very much, sir. <laughs> and uh, are you going to make it to the expo this year? Uh, probably not. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see how it works out. But, you know, it's just, well, you know, I like to donate just, just to help you, just in general. It doesn't really oh, matter if it's well, for we, that. Well, we appreciate just, that. Well, you guys give me a lot of entertainment for free, you know? So I feel like it's the least I can do. It just goes to show everybody out there, donate and we'll review your album. You know why? Because money talks. <laughs> oh, ouch. Brings well, it all back. Well, one good thing though is that your buddy, uh, your buddy in the mafia, Vincenzo Cavanaugh, uh, <laughs> he's talking about making it out this year, so that'll be awesome, and hopefully gets a lot well, so of if, if pictures for and videos reason, for you. 
if there's any reason why I happen to be in like that part of the country, it's possible, then that flight would swing by. But uh, we'll, we'll see how it's going. I don't know. I don't like to plan that far ahead. But, like, I plan like about a month ahead. So we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, either way, thank you so much for your donation. And it's because of people like you that this shit is happening. So thank you very, very much. Oh, I heard Tommy thank him now. Yeah. Tommy's going off the rails. He's, he's like, can we listen for those about the rock yet? <laughs> All right. Well, fuck it. Let's get into the plugs. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I... Look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life, and I'm usually joined by a friend or two, or ten, and we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday, exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina. Skitter pal, meow meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I deem necessary. 
Wadzilla World only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Welcome to the best fucking show you'll ever hear in your life. Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, The Dr. Fuck Show. Yes, tune in here at that metal station for The Dr. Fuck Show. I've been doing this show right here for years. And the chat room's always packed. The jams are always playing. And yeah, you may get a rant every freaking week from me. Fuck, not freaking. I don't want to say freaking. I mean fucking. So join me and my lunatics that are let out of the asylum here on that metal station, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursday nights. Join me. Let's lose our fucking minds. All right. Well, if you like this album, then you probably don't like ACDC all that much. But come back next week when maybe we do a good album by a good band. But you never know because it's all up to you, the fans. You never know. Tim Bream could be picking something just to piss Ralph off. But that's going to be next week on the, Rock, on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Fuck that guy. <laughs>